Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to the Net Worth Podcast, where we talk all things WTA and handicapping the WTA. As always, I'm your host, Noops, and joining me from across the country, bright and early, we have Spread Astaire. How is it going, Spread? How was your lovely weekend in Tahoe? Oh, I'm doing great. I had a good weekend in Tahoe. Um, almost finished the year with a nice future with... Uh, Wang getting the uh, the kind of the wild card in the semis, but she wasn't able to do it there at the end against Ash Barty. Ash Barty just served too well and just uh, she didn't make mistakes at all. So uh, it looks like it's going to be 2019 before I give out my first future winner on this pod. Well, that's very disappointing for the listeners, and I'm sure that you'll spend the whole offseason doing a lot of research, and we'll come back even stronger and better. But let's dive into Zuhai, and I thought it'd be a good idea to go group by group, talk a little bit about um, how the round robins went, and then we'll dive into the uh, semifinals and the finals. So starting with the Azalea group, again, that was Daria Kasatkina, Madison Keys, and uh, Wang Chung. Um, Madison Keys actually wins the group, uh, everybody here going one and one, but as we know at this point, um, I believe it was her left knee was bothering her and had to withdraw for the semifinals, allowing Wang Chung to make it through. So what did you think of this group spread? Did you like the matches? Well, uh, it was funny, you know, we, I had messaged you right when the, the line came out for the semis, uh, and I said, boy, uh, Madison Keys is being priced quite generously. You know, I think that when we talked about it, um, you know, we had it pretty even. If she was going to play, we thought it would be pretty even if she was going to play at Garbine. And um, so I said, boy, they must know something, you know, because I wasn't able to see the whole match because it wasn't streamed on WTA TV for whoever knows why reason. And then, um, you know, it was on Tennis Channel, which was cool. It was fun to actually see it back in my HD, and I actually enjoyed that. But, um, you know, it got preempted, and once, you know, they had realized that, you know, it didn't really matter what happened in the third set, you know, or after the first set, you know, um, Madison Keys had already advanced. So they didn't keep it on, and I wasn't really able to see how well she was moving. And then, like I said, it wasn't on the on-demand, which is a function on WTA TV I like to use a lot. So I wasn't able to see her, which was disappointing because I thought that this was going to be a chance for Madison to, you know, really end her year on a high note and, um, you know, kind of grab some momentum going into 2019. And it's just too bad that the injury derailed her. And I'm not really sure how serious it was. Um, but my main takeaway is, boys, she can get healthy. Madison Keys, you know, um, she should be a top 10 player in 2019 if she can get this thing together. Yes, it was really disappointing to watch her come out in the first match and really, you know, put a beating on Daria Kasatkina, 6 2 6 know, Kasatkina coming off a great win in Moscow. Um, I guess she must have hurt herself at some point during that match with um, Wang Chung. You know, coming into that match, she only had to win a set. Comes out, beats Wang 6-1 in the first, and then loses the match 6-1-3-6-1-6. So I guess is at some point during that match, she maybe tweaked something. And hopefully she takes the next few weeks of the offseason here to get, to get herself right because, I mean, just an unbelievable server, um, a really nice player to watch, and someone that, that should be very successful, um, and hopefully is someone over the next few years that takes up the mantle for uh, the U.S. women that I know you and I like to cheer for so much. So unless you have any other thoughts. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah, Madison, she's fun to watch. She probably has the, the, the highest pace of any forehand um, on tour. I mean, she can, really, she can really tear through the ball. And, um, you know, other than that, if we were going to talk about the other two, obviously uh, Wang Chung had a great 
um, end of the year for the Asian swing and really set herself up to be a player here in 2019. So the main, main question we have for her going forward is, will she be able to replicate the success outside of Asia? Was it merely a product of the, uh, the home cooking and the fact that a lot of the European players aren't comfortable on the Asian swing? Or did she really develop and is she... Uh, she ready to jump into the, this top 20 here and, and be here to stay. So definitely look to see that for her. And uh, Dasha Kasekina, um, same thing as always. Um, exciting exciting ground strokes, really fun to watch. Great fighter, you know, and we, we'll probably talk about this more coming forward. Great coach, which makes her a lot of fun. And, boy, she really just needs to get a serve going. If she, if she can get a serve going, she'll be a top 10 player for sure. Uh, I think she might have finished the year in the top 10, actually. But, I mean be there and it's just funny because you, you think the size but you watch ash barty is about the same size and she's really zipping that serve so um you know if there's something she can do mechanically or something to improve that thing because her little second serve that little kick serve she does that comes in at about 75 miles an hour is just doing nothing for her chances and um you know resulting in a lot of break fest if she can you know learn to hold serve reliably um, she's going to be a great player for the next five to six years. So, I mean, that's what this tournament really was. Is it's something fun for us to uh, to watch some of these up-and-coming players and uh, really got a chance for, to showcase them, and I, I think it did a good job of doing that. Yeah, this first group was really entertaining. Let's dive into the next group, the Camellia group. Anastasia Sevastova, Garbina Muguruza, and uh, Zhang Shui. Um, it really kind of an up and down group. We had um, Anastasia Sova beat the beat the absolute pants off off um, Shui Zhang and and Muguruza loses the first set, then beats her in the second. You know, I, I think we were pretty clear in, in our preview about writing Zhang off, and that seemed to be the case. But so everything really came down to that match between uh, Muguruza and Sevastova, which I don't know if you got a chance to watch that. I know you had some struggles with your uh, W. Uh, TATV, but man, what a fantastic match that was to see somebody like Garbine who um, has a terrible record after she loses the first set. Um, you know, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but last time I, I looked at it, something like she had 20 matches this year. She lost the first set and only came back to win something like three of them or some outrageous number like that. So I was really impressed at, at her really gritting out that match, losing the first set 6-7, then coming back 6-2, 7-6. And even that third set, I believe she was down a break at some point. Um, so you know, interesting, and we'll talk a little bit more about kind of her letdown in the semifinals in a few minutes, but in terms of just the round-robin play, really impressive for Muguruza. It was because Sevastova is more of a defensive player. Obviously, she's very crafty and, um, you know, uh, mixes pace and spins very well to keep her opponent off balance. But um, you're not going to beat her by just hitting the ball back and waiting for her to make a mistake. You're going to beat her by hitting the ball by her, hitting winners, um, constructing your points. So for Garbine to do that, you know, I really thought that it, uh, you know, it showed that she was in the tournament. She was, the, she was there. And, uh, you know, I thought she had a really good chance to win it. I was actually surprised when she lost in the semifinals after the performance against Sevastova. So, um, you know, obviously, I'd say out of anyone for being in this tournament, I thought that, uh, that Garbine, out of everyone, you know, was maybe a, um, a tier above maybe the rest of the field. Um, you know, obviously being a Grand Slam champion. And uh, I actually had mistakenly thought that she was in the um, the Singapore one when we were first kind of discussing it because I'm just so used to her being on top. Um, so I don't really know what to make of her results here. Um, I, def it was, I mean, she even had some weird on court coaching moments. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where she is going into 2019 because she obviously has the potential to be, I mean, even number one in the world. So. 
Um, hopefully she can uh, get things together and let's, let's see how she does going into the Australian. Yeah, I'm curious to see what she looks like next year. Um, the other two players, you know, Sevastova and, and Zhang, both nice tennis players, both had pretty good years. I, I don't see um, the kind of talent that, that I would expect of a really true top-tier player there. So, um, you know, nice players to watch, players that, that do well in certain tournaments, but, um, you know, a nice tournament for them and a, and a good year in general. Uh, so I, I completely agree with you on Zhang. With Sevastopol, I think I would agree a, a tad because I think the one thing that she has that's elite is um, strategy and, and cunning. I think she really knows how to um, identify her opponent's weaknesses and then attack them. I think she's very good at making um, the big hitters uncomfortable. And, um, you know, she's got it all. And, you know, we talked about the serve earlier, but for a smaller player, she can kind of zip it in there and get holds too. So... She's a player that uh, I could see, you know, sneaking into the top 10 just because um, she does have the good all-around game. And like I said, I really think that her uh, her strategy, and although, you know, we laugh about her, you know, <laughs> crying and all the faces she makes on court and how in pain she looks, but um, she really is mentally tough and she digs in um, regardless of, uh, of how her expressions kind of betray that. Yeah, that's definitely something to keep in mind. She's a tough player to bet on when you watch her because she does, you know, have her, all her emotions right there on, on her sleeves while she's playing. So, um, a good group there. Looking ahead to the next group, the Orchid group, we had Arena Sabalanka, Caroline Garcia, and Ashley Barty. What'd you see with these ladies spread? I was really surprised. I thought that Sabalanka was going to make the semifinals out of this group, and um, you know. Just Carol just beat her very, very easily. It wasn't um, yeah, six four six big, four. Big surprise. I know that we were all on Sabs in that match, and we thought, um, you know, because she came out just rolling in her first match. Um, so hey, all she has to do is win a set there against Garcia, and she advances and can't even get it done. I mean, right. it's broken in both sets, and like you said, it was pretty routine. It was never really a doubt. Yeah. So. Uh, I mean, honestly, she, she was still the, uh, the breakout player of the year. She had, you know, she has a lot to build on. And, um, you know, out of anyone going into next year, I mean, already if we were going to, you know, start doing Australian Open futures, I mean, she'd probably be the one that you'd be looking at for value because she's shown that when she's on her game, she can beat anybody. Um, you know, she's up there with keys as far as just being able to just smack the ball around the court. And, um you know, she's definitely seemed to be taking her, her coaching from Dmitry Tursunov and just taking it to the whole next level. I think he's had a lot to do with her success this year. And we've seen, uh, and we'll probably talk about it in one of the off-season pods, but uh, there's a little coaching carousel in the WTA. But I would hope for her sake that she, she sticks with Tursunov because um, I think that he's done well with her. And I think that uh, they need to build on that momentum that they have. I think that a switch at this point would be detrimental to her. So hopefully she sticks with uh Tursunov, and if she does, I mean, uh, you can also almost pencil her into the top 10 next year. And like I said, um, I would expect that, you know, around January, when you're tuning into the Net Worth podcast, you'll be hearing us giving out some futures for her uh, on the Australian Open. Absolutely. Um, interesting group because there was, this is the only group where we didn't have a three set match spread. Uh, Caroline Garcia beats Savalanka 6 4 6 4, loses to Barty 3 6 4 6. Um, you know, Barty loses to Savalanka 4 6 4 6, beats Garcia 6 3 6 4. Um, actually, every set was 6 4 except one. Um, Ashley Barty advances because she's able to take the first set. Or, uh, I'm sorry, yeah, Ashley Barty advances here because she's able to take the first set 6-3 uh, 
off of uh, Caroline Garcia. It was a really tough, tight group. You know, when we were coming in, I think we said that um, this group would be one of the most competitive, and it certainly was. Um, definitely an odd finish, but a nice year for, for all three women here. And like you mentioned, Arena, the Amazonian warrior, Sabalenka, um, absolutely one of my favorite, if not my favorite, tennis player. Um, and excited to see what the next year brings for her. And we'll be talking a lot more about her in, in some later pods that we'll preview a little bit when we get done. So final group here, the Rose group. We had Elise Mertens, Julia Gorgeous, and Annette Contivate. What did you see here, Spread? Boy, was Contivate all over the place. Um, didn't play very well in her first match and then looked great against Gorgas. And then, um, you know, Gorgas was able to advance um, with a couple uh, nice win over Mertens there. And, boy, I honestly, I'd, for next year, I really didn't take a lot out of this group except for Contivite is, is what we think, what we kind of knew is that she's kind of like a wild card. You don't know who you're going to get. Um, but when she's on, she's very, very good. Um, Elise Mertens is a very good defender, but I think out of all the people that we uh, classify as defenders, she can kind of rip the ball and switch it to offense um, very well. So I'd like to see... Um, if she continues her ascent this year, because I'll tell you what, I didn't expect as much out of her this year as she ended up um, providing for us. So I, I, I'd be like to, I'd like to see how well she does, um, you know. And then of course Gorgas is one of my favorite players. She serves very well. I think she ends the year with the Ace Queen title. Uh, I think that she ended up with more than uh, than, than Pliskova. So um, she, I, this group had a lot going on, and and uh, you know it's just kind of like the turn the tournament in general just. Uh, all these players have so much young talent and you know you just no, don't know what you're going to get any given week because there still are some inconsistencies and that's why they're in this uh, zoo high tournament and maybe not the singapore for the top eight yeah this group was all up up and down um really like the way elise mertens look it's nice to see someone who moves as well as she does be able to put a serve together annette contivate makes no sense to me i have just no way of figuring out whether she's going to be good or bad uh, from a day-to-day -day perspective and when she's uh, good she's two, just good the most bizarre matches right when she's on she's great yeah i mean six two four six six four against gorgeous i mean six two against julia gorgeous on a court that plays to her serve power i mean that's super impressive so um, kind of an odd, odd group, but we'll see kind of how Annette Contevet looks going forward. I'm excited for Elise Mertens next year and, you know, gorgeous look, look like she normally does. So unless you have any other thoughts here on this final group spread, we can dive into the semifinals. Yeah, let's jump into the semis. So first semifinal we had it was Julie Gorgeous playing Ashley Barty. Gorgeous comes out, wins the first set 6-4, and then Barty just absolutely turns it on. I got a chance to watch this. Um, woke up very, very early Philadelphia time to see this, caught the end of the first set and, and Barty's comeback. And it was just, I mean, she flipped a switch. Julia Gorgeous couldn't do anything, especially in that third set against her. Really impressed by her effort there. It was. And the thing that Barty did um, was she just basically cut down on her unforced errors and she was holding serve at ease. I mean, um, she was holding serve at love and 15 uh, almost every game. And uh, we really, when uh, she got the break, you just felt like she won the set. She was serving that well. And just um, everything that you expect from, you know, a, strong, a player with a strong serve, you know, she was just using it to set up her points. And, um, you know, every point that she served, she was dictating. She was on, right on the baseline or closer and uh, keeping Gorgas in that defensive position. And then, like I said, she didn't make the mistakes. Um, you know, put a lot of pressure on Gorgas and really just an impressive performance overall because, like you said, the, this, the surface uh, lends itself well to Gorgas. I mean, obviously, Barty as well, being a, a, a quick server and, and a good all-court player, but definitely I thought that was a very impressive win. 
Absolutely. I, I really enjoyed watching that. The other semifinal, um, like we mentioned, should have been Madison Keys, Garbina Muguruza, but Keys uh, has to step out for, because of her knee. And um, Wang Chung comes in seemingly fresh off vacation. Um, you know, spread we were talking a little bit about. I know she had her hair braided all week, but she seemed to have some like streamers or colors built into it. You know, it looked a lot like someone who was on vacation, frankly, coming back. And then beats the absolute pants off Garbina Muguruza. 6-2, 6-0, serves up a bagel in the second set. I don't know if you got to see too much of that spread, but it was just about as dominating as the scoreline looks. Um, just a complete domination. Um, so it's another thing that we've always said about Garbine that she kind of has problems um, with her consistency. And, you know, um, it's almost like Contavite that we mentioned earlier, but it's even worse. Um as far as just not being able to know what player you're going to get. You know, the joke is, you know, she's either uh, Mooga useless or Mooga ruthless. Um, and she definitely was Mooga useless against Wang. And just definitely disappointing overall as far as um, her ability to uh, to really just put together a good performance. Because usually with her, when she... Um, when she has a good performance, you know, early in the tournament, she's there to stay for the whole week. So for her to play that well and then just fall apart was really surprising to me, although she's done that a couple times before, uh, I guess, in the bigger tournaments. But overall, just uh, not not uh, not the performance that we really wanted to see. Uh, I'm going to try and get Newt's back real quick. So if I sound like I'm not um, doing this 100%, with, uh, it's because I'm trying to also send him the link and get him back in here. So, and that led to our final here, and um, that was Ash Barty versus uh, Wang, and she is, um, Ash Barty just took it to her, and Ash Barty just, uh, you know, she used the surface to her advantage. The surface helped her immensely, um, and, you know, she went ahead and used it to her advantage, but the key was, was she was able to avoid unforced errors and then when she avoids unforced errors she can be very tough to beat and then uh wang just simply does not have the um she doesn't have the 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 firepower to attack you know barty's backhand which is what a lot of the players were doing but also you have to uh, give her credit because on the slower i mean on the quicker surface um that slice backhand stays a lot lower and you're not really able to um to swing through it like some of the other players would have liked to see. Now, I feel like, oh, it sounds like we got news back. I feel like on a faster court that um, that, that slice backhand can get, get eaten alive when it sits up for you. But, um, you know, on that faster court, Barty's backhand stays real low. I went ahead and finished Garbine and, uh, and Wang for us, and I was talking about the final right now, if you want to jump in on the final. Yeah, very odd there. You disappeared and we're back, so I'm curious to see how the, how the recording sounds or whether or not we'll be going back to redo this in a few minutes. Um, yeah, the, the final, um, really enjoyed it. Again, Ashley Barty played a really nice match. I thought Wang Chung came out and played some nice tennis but just didn't have the same level that Barty did. Um, I, I'm really excited for Ashley Barty's year next year. Um, I was shocked to learn that she was 22. I, I think you messaged me that just after the, the final or so. Uh, a really sharp tennis player, someone who, you know, as you like to say, constructs points very nicely, a strong server, moves really well. I'm, I'm excited for her year next year. I'm going to be looking to her to possibly win a slam even next year, I think. Yeah, I'll be interested to see about uh, a slam because you have to remember this was the uh, the second tier and against the elite defenders who a lot of them made uh, 
you know, this Singapore or didn't play in Halep's case. But, you know, I think that her style is a little tougher against, um, say, the Kerbers or the Wozniakis um, due to the fact that it requires her to be so perfect. Um, and so the, I'm, I'm just imagining the amount of perfect tennis she's going to have to play to win a slam. Um, we'll see if she's there yet. But I definitely think, especially in Australia, for the home court advantage, she's going to be worth a look on the futures too. Um, hopefully this uh, this showing here in Zuhai didn't ruin our odds and, and you know we'll still be able to get some good value on it. But, um, boy, uh, you know, she basically used this tournament what it was for, and that was to showcase herself as an up-and-coming talent. And uh, you can also use it as a springboard for 2019. Yep, an absolutely great tournament for her, and it was just a really fun week last week. Um, let's see, is there anything else we have to? Oh, that's right, there was a tournament in a Mumbai spread. How did that? Um, how did your Jakubovich future do? Oh, it was. <laughs> it looked like it was so good, right? She rolled through the draw, it kind of opened up for her, and we we thought she had a good matchup there in the semifinals. And I'd even told you that I'm not going to hedge until the final. You know, I, I feel like this is strong. I feel like the future is going to go through for me. And then she was just able to uh, – she wasn't able to do it there in the semifinals. And that's why, you know, a lot of these women, even though when you turn on um, the game and you watch their strokes, you'll see that they have, you know, sometimes the same talent and same abilities as some of the top players. But they're in these lower tournaments because they don't have the consistency yet um, to put it together. But that's what these tournaments are here for is for these women to go ahead and learn – you know, on a smaller stage, but just with some stakes available. Um, so obviously, I'll, you know, I'll be looking forward to, to catching her in some of these tournaments, especially these international 280s, you know, when we're going into 2019, you know, the, those weeks that, you know, we have like three tournaments and, you know, she'll be in one with maybe like kind of a diluted field. Um, you know, I still definitely think she has a lot of potential. Um, so I think that, that begs the question, how did your futures do in Mumbai? Well, I'm trying to remember exactly who I had here. Um, I know that we had one that lost, and thank God I can't remember that one. But Lakeisha Kumkum, um, who I think we'll be talking a little bit more about in um, some of our future podcasts, played an absolutely great tournament, was, I think, plus money for like the first three rounds or something goofy like that, and, and was able to get it done, loses the first set in the final 1-6, and then totally flips it back around 6-2, 6-3 to win the final. Um, a great hit at 14-1, to so. Nice two out of three outrights there to finish the year. Yeah, great job. So for those keeping score at home, that uh, for the year, even though we started late, we started around the U.S. Open. But uh, Noops has had two outrights. I'm still sitting at zero, so he's definitely the winner for 2018. But it'll definitely give me some motivation to uh, to watch even more tape and really get prepared to try and uh, to, to even the score here in 2019. So congratulations on that one and. Uh, you know, I know you're excited, and I think that it's fun for us to kind of branch out into these lower-level tournaments. Before I started capping tennis, um, you know, I would have not paid attention to these at all. Um, but, you know, obviously with the extra incentive and then knowing that basically in the Australian, a lot of these women that you're capping, you're going to be seeing them at huge plus-money prices here in the first round, you know, in the 128-woman uh, field. And I think that the us, you know, kind of – capping these and going through them i know i plan on paying a lot more attention to the itfs and the, and the 125ks that will be going the next two months um i think that should help us and maybe identifying some dogs for some early round upsets in the grand slams i think we'll definitely have to have our intern go back and listen to some of the earlier episodes because <laughs> i can't believe that we only had two outright winners from that whole time so i'm gonna am say i wrong did we have another one others. 
I don't know. I, to be honest, one of us should have done a better job of writing. These no, I don't. Down. I remember um, I had profitable outrights because I was able to hedge, you know, and I had mentioned it, you know, that I was able to hedge a couple of them in the semis uh, at plus money and able, you know, to sneak a profit out of the investment overall. But I don't think I had an outright hit. Well, well, I'll go back maybe and, and just look at the tournaments and see if I can remember one that maybe we picked. But next year we'll definitely do a, a much better job of keeping track of that and um, you know trying to hit hit a couple more for you guys, obviously. Um, but I, I think that just puts an, a nice little bow on the year here. You know, a spread I think was kind of hitting that. We have maybe a couple smaller tournaments here, but I think in terms of a, a weekly preview, you know, what we've been doing, breaking down the draw, breaking down outrights. I don't think we'll have another one of those till the Australian Open. Um, well, we'll probably do the. We'll probably do the Brisbane and um, the lead-up sometime. Oh, that's right. So okay, we'll probably right. start right in January. There's a couple to get them, get us ready. Um, I plan on doing those because I think most of the top-name players um, will be doing it. But, it. but to be honest, I, I think I, we'd be doing it. Dis- well, I don't know about you. You seem to have the good numbers for everybody. But I would be doing a disservice trying to – I will definitely be paying attention to these, and I'll probably be wagering them because, you know, that makes it more fun. But as far as doing the full outright, I don't know if I would feel um, – prepared enough you know to really give good breakdowns but i i do intend on on watching some of these itf level players and being able to incorporate that into my handicapping in 2019 yeah that's a great call out i forgot the couple smaller tournaments before the australian open i'm just so excited um you know we'll, we'll, we'll give a little teaser here we have something in the works for the australian open we'll have a, i think a couple of our friends from a different podcast join us and we might get a chance to jump on there so very excited for that but we will have previews of, this, of the couple tournaments up before then but um, our plan going forward, what we'd like to do next week, and um, please follow us on Twitter at NetworthPod. Uh, for those of you who may have noticed, we went back this week and uh, changed the handle on the podcast. You know, the folks at WTA weren't totally in love that we were using their acronym and our, our podcast handle. So went back and changed it to at NetworthPod. So you can still find us there. Don't worry, we didn't get suspended or disappear. Uh, we'll be posting some polls, and what we thought might be fun to do is have an award show. I think sometimes next week we'll get together and put together some awards. I, th- I think it might be a good idea to actually steal the award categories from the NBA. Um, they do a pretty good job of kind of the all-inclusive award categories. So um, let me just pull up that list right there. Uh, I think we have an MVP award, a Defensive Player of the Year award. Uh, that'll be a little interesting. I, I think that'll be a fun conversation spread, trying to figure out who the Defensive Player of the Year yeah, is. Yeah, I love that um, one. Rookie of the Year. Um, we'll have Coach of the Year. Uh, but, 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 but let's see, who else? I'm looking forward to Sixth Man of the Year. Um, that'll be kind of an interesting interpretation there. I, I think what, we'll try to, what I'll try to do, spread, is try to think of somebody that you know had a really good showings in some of the... Um, less known tournaments you know guys as we talk about these every week there's two to three tournaments and there clearly is kind of one tournament usually that's a little more premier than the other one so uh, we'll try to see if maybe for the six man award we'll find somebody who uh maybe whoever had the best season without winning or something goofy like that but uh, we'll have that then most improved player award i I think is the last one so um, make sure you're following us again at net worth pod on Twitter, and we'll be putting out some polls for those, and, and send us your own ideas if you have some awards or, or thoughts, and or if you're looking at the poll and the four names that we have up there, you think are completely off base. So I think it'll be fun to get a little interaction, and it'll be a good way for us to wrap up the year for sure. Yeah, definitely. So we're looking forward to having a fun off season here. We will still be recording weekly, um, even though we will not be previewing the tournaments. I mean, um, if we see something, uh, we might go ahead and. Um, 
you know, mention it, you know, of a couple outrights, but I don't think we're going to break it down uh, by the bracket like we have been doing. Um, but we plan on having some fun stuff. We wanted to just go over maybe some wagering strategies, um, you know, some of the things that, that we like to do, things that we're looking for. And, um, you know, we're just going to take it week by week, but we will see, still keep recording and really talking about um, the way that we handicap tennis. And, you know, this has kind of been a fun exercise for us. You know, we just started up, you know, around the U.S. Open. So what we're like, you know, eight to 12 weeks in. And um, I think it's kind of fun for us, you know, to take the listeners through a journey as, as we kind of grow as tennis handicappers. Um, you know, we mentioned before we do have day jobs. You know, we're not uh, professional gamblers and we don't even claim to be uh the best handicappers around, but we, we are uh, people that are really enjoying uh, handicapping tennis and we're enjoying sharing, um, you know, kind of the ups and downs of it with you. So um, looking forward to this off season and, and really looking forward to our award show that we'll be doing next week. Absolutely. And Jorge, our absolute favorite Canadian, who I know is listening right now, just be warned, we'll be bringing you back, I think maybe next week for the award show, if not, maybe a week or so after that. So I know the folks are very excited to hear that we'll have our third amigo back in the fold. Are you excited, Spread? Definitely, because uh, when it comes to the ITF and the, and the lower level players for these 125Ks, um, I think his knowledge dwarfs our, our combined knowledge. Um, you know, he really has a much better handle on, on some of these lower level players where I'll be honest before I was kind of, <laughs> you know, a lazy handicapper before we were doing the pod and I really didn't pay attention to the women outside of the top 50. So, um, you know, I'm taking that knowledge of the top 50 I have and I'm really trying to expand it to these younger players. And, and uh, you know, I definitely, you know, am looking forward to getting all Jorge's help, you know, to kind of give me a, a jump start here on, on learning these younger players and their strengths and weaknesses. Absolutely. Don't fool yourself, folks. We need all the help we can get. So <laughs> thanks, everybody, um, for listening. You know, it's, it's been a really great time these last couple of months doing it. We're looking forward to the off season and doing something a little different. But, um, you know, we'll certainly be back next year to do the whole season. So thanks for listening and uh, have a great yep. week. Good luck in all your wagers.